Hello, rule breakers, change makers, and category creators. This is the What Rules podcast. My name is Alisa Monjadas. I'm a vision producer and executive coach at The Happy Cactus. I'm here with my co-host, Rosa Santos. She is a talent management executive and leadership expert. And today our guest is celebrity chef, Marcella Valladolid. And we are talking about breaking the rules. Surprise, surprise. I hope no one is hungry when you're listening to this because today's episode is how enchiladas can lead you to success. And I have some here. <laughs> you what? <laughs> Did you deliver them? <laughs> Wait a second. Open your bag. <laughs> we should. We should. <laughs> Underneath your microphone. Right. Under your chair. Everybody gets enchiladas. Today we're talking about how taking things that are simple and leveraging them to make an entire career can lead you to success. I've had clients come to me over and over saying, I don't know what I can do with my life. I'm I'm a mom and I'm really good at finance. I, I'm in tech, but I don't I feel like it's just easy for me. There's a lot of things that come easy to people and they don't realize that those strengths and talents that they have can actually become something. And you, Chef, have Mm -hmm. become a lot of things. You've been all over the television circuit. You have pivoted a million times. And one of the things that I love about you is that you are a rule breaker. You've broken rules throughout your career. So... First of all, do you consider yourself a rule breaker? I do. I do consider myself a rule breaker. Um, I don't think I started off thinking, you know, that was my goal. My, I was honestly, when I began this, this idea that we're discussing today, the rule breaking idea, it all happened for me when I was really, really young. So it wasn't a conscious effort to like break down any barriers or Honestly, all that I wanted was to leave Tijuana and that very patriarchal society that I grew up in. And I love my hometown. Like all my friends are there. Like I have, there's no shade. Like, but I grew up in a specific um, cohort that was very patriarchal. Like it just, it was what it was. My family was the same way. And I don't even, I've tried so hard. I've done so much work, uh, you know, alternative methods and traditional methods. Like I've done so much work to figure out where the seed was planted that I was like, I will never be financially dependent on a man. I don't know when exactly that happened. I don't know how young I was, but I remember having those thoughts since I was really young. So that tiny seed grew up into a whole bunch of rule breaking uh, in terms of how I behaved, the role I took in relationships, how I, um, I wanted to leave home, how I, you know, my dad, Santo Adorado, the most wonderful man in the world had a very clear message. You leave here when you are married. Like that was just like, that's just what it was. So, um, for me, it was just very clear that that was not going to be my path. Uh, and it was painful to break through and leave and kind of, and it took a a few years to kind of find my own way, but it was established when I was very young that I wanted something different 
to what I was exposed to in my hometown of Tijuana. With what you're sharing with us, it's interesting you're saying is that your dad said to you that you live here when you are married. and With a ring. <laughs> with a ring. It's funny, my parents said to me completely the opposite. And I think I've talked about this before, right? But I thought everybody else around me had received the same message. Right. So when I got out in the world is when I realized that the way I was being perceived uh, was not the way that I had been brought up or, or what I ha had been instilled in my upbringing. How have you coped with that a little bit in terms of as you went and started to break rules to take on the path of becoming who you are today? What about those other things that people put on top of you? What, what does that look like for you or have, has looked like for you? You know what? I have a lot of uh, negative traits, just like any human being. There's light and there's dark, yin and yang. That's just part of the human experience. And I am proud to say that one of my attributes, one of, my, um, uh, one of the things that I am most proud of as a person or as a human living in this experience is that I'm able to completely tune out um, opinion. And I think that's been my, my, my most powerful weapon in all of this. The hero's journey, which is the path to finding yourself, can be incredibly lonely. Um, and for people that, like, that's what I read now. Like I'm, so, like, I'm so analytical of the journey now. But back in the day, I didn't know what it was. I was just living my life trying to survive and trying to break free. But looking back at it now... It was clearly my hero's journey when I left my home and I said, thank you for everything you've done. I'm going to go do, I don't know what I'm going to do, but, I'm, but, but bye. <laughs> um, but some people describe that hero's journey is very lonely, but because I am an introvert and because I have solitude is my recharge, I was actually set free. So in that hero's journey, when I left my home and I was looking for my path and I was trying to establish what I want to do with the rest of my life, and all of this was happening with 25 cents in a new bank account that I just opened like the day before, um, I actually experienced and tasted freedom. And, and I say this a lot to my younger followers, which is kind of a, a, um, a difficult a piece of advice to digest, but um, I love my friends. I've had the same friends literally since kindergarten. And our moms were friends. And for some of us, our grandparents were friends. So those relationships run super deep. But at the same time, I had zero issue with saying, bye, I'm not going to really be in touch with you guys for, I didn't know this, it wasn't pre-planned, but I basically was out of touch with my community, with my family and my friends for probably like six or seven years. I went out there to look for my place in the world. Um, but to me, that tasted like freedom and adventure. I can understand how that can be an incredibly difficult road for somebody that doesn't, you know, that doesn't have that mentality. But for me, that ability to literally like como los caballos, like the horses, to just have like forward vision, that was me back then. There was nothing. There was no one but my, my path forward. And going back to, like, being different from all of your friends, like, were the relationships tainted at during that time because you were so focused? Like, how did that affect all your, your friendships? 
Not at all. Not at all. Because I wasn't, there was no judgment. And some of my friends became career professionals. Like uh, most of them did get married and, and decided to be stay at home moms. And I think the reason that our friendship has worked is because both sides are equally respectful of the other's journey. I have always been very um, guarded with my personal choices and my family life and my information. And as deep as my friendships are, it's kind of the same with my sister. People comment a lot about my relationship with my sister. My boundaries are super, super clear when it comes to relationships and what, what I allow in my space. And this may sound kind of horrible, but I, but I rarely lean on other people for opinion or advice unless I go specifically to seek it from a person that has been down this specific path or has some expertise in the area. Like I'm very careful about what uh, opinion, opinions and advice I allow in my life. And my friendships are there to be friends, not to have an opinion about my career path or my relationship or my children or where I choose to make my money or how I choose to spend my time. And that's why I adore these women because I will not speak to them for months. And then I will, in the WhatsApp, we'll see each other and we'll have the time of our lives. And I think for me, that is a healthy relationship. There's no codependency in the sense that I need them to survive and they don't need me to survive. And I don't need their, I don't need their input to move forward. Um, they are my friends. They are with me on this journey from, from a space that I'm comfortable with. And there is so much trust, but more than anything, there's just a lot of respect. So there was really no fallout. There was nothing. There was just like, I'm going to go do my thing. And then I came back and it's like nothing happened. And those are, that's why those friendships are true. That's amazing. Actually, it, it sounds simple, but it is it's challenging to get there because easily we're so used to being judged and mm. also be, being judged by our loved ones mm -hmm. as well. And sometimes that's that could be a barrier on its own, right? That somebody else has put on us and it, it makes us self-doubt. So having that that set of friendships that are there for you know, for truly unconditional support is, is vital and fundamental. Hey, you talked about you were going like, you know, like a horse looking forward. Tell me a little bit about that experience and, and where did you get the energy to be able to do all, to, to do that? Just to just say, hey, this is me. I need to find my path. I'm moving forward. Um, Tell us a little bit about that and did, did you ever get deterred and if so, how or, or why? Oh my gosh, I got deterred so many times. I'll tell you my Food Network story. It took me 10 years to get them to look at me um, and 10 years of me stalking them. <laughs> 10 years of them saying no before they said yes. But I think I had this kind of, this conviction and belief that I had something to offer that didn't exist. That is the right to any human being because if you are authentic to yourself, you have no competition. Like I knew that I was the only Marcella that was like, if I run down the list of what makes me me, of course I'm unique because nobody has lived my life. Like I was the only Marcella that was fluent in two languages, that crossed the border every day to go, go to school in San Diego, that had studied pastries in Paris, that had, you know what I'm saying? If you just kind of write down the bullets of the special things that make up your life or your experience or your journey, you have no competition and you have to kind of seed your path 
in the strength of, of that. And I think that it was so clear in my head. I was like, well, there's no Mexicana out there talking about really beautiful, you know, Mexican food that lives on the border that can do it in English and can do it in Spanish. And I was just so sure that I had something good to offer. And no matter how many times they said no, I'd come back and be like, no, but listen, this is good. No, but listen, this is good. And I did that. And I, and I still do that. They just told me no on something huge. And I'm like, yeah, they don't get it. Next. Like, I got something good. Um, so I think it's just like that unwavering conviction um, that I have something good to offer. It's just the power. I think that power of believing mm. in yourself and what you have to offer. And you, you said something so beautiful. The bullets that make up your life. That's incredible. I, I just want to write a book now about that. <laughs> it's the attributes that make up your life. And, and how many times have we been told in order to be successful, especially in what I do when you're trying to connect with people, authenticity is key. And the only way to get there is to truly, truly, like for me, I'll tell you when I figured that out. They asked me to be the keynote speaker at my high school graduation at a women's symposium they were having like four years ago. And I hate public speaking, believe it or not. I can't stand it. And I was like, I'm just going to bullet my life and read my bullets. Like, I'm just going to tackle this. Like, it's like, I'm just going to. And when I read the bullets, I was like, oh, this is pretty cool, man. These bullets are cool. And I, and I unknowingly, <laughs> like I had been navigating through my journey my entire life with those bullets, like very clear, like in the front, you know, the front of my head. Um, but actually writing mm -hmm. what I wanted to get to is as an exercise, write them down. What makes you you? And it'll make it incredibly clear what you have to offer that nobody else does. And it makes you then, to your point, gain that confidence mm. about who you are, what, what you have to offer, what's your yes. worth, right? What is your worth? And then how, how you put that worth yes. in the marketplace, So then you can get yes. at it. And despite how many times you may have been told yes. no to your point that you were making and just continuing and continuing and continuing and talk about resiliency mm -hmm. as well. We were just talking about this on the last episode. There's a, an exercise that I like to do with my clients where you put your you draw a circle with your name in the middle and you put little that's like little rays of mm. sunshine. And these are all the things that make you you. And you use it as an yeah. anchor. And it's so f amazing when someone mm. looks at themselves on a piece of paper, it separates them from all the emotions and they see how beautiful their accomplishments yes. are. And you also yes. start to look at yourself with a new lens. And I think that when you have a, can yes. look at your experiences and even the pain with a different perspective, even just putting it on a piece of paper, you build resiliency in that moment because you look at everything that I've overcome yep. and all of the barriers that I've faced, but I've still done all these things. And that's what I hear Marcella saying. And that's what makes you so strong. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you've built that muscle over and over again. But it doesn't mean I don't get exhausted. And I was thinking about that. I, I told Rosa that I just got mm. a big fat no from something that I was sure was going to be a big fat yes. And I definitely have. And that's really important to mention because I feel like sometimes you're in these, I'm in these podcasts, or, but I'm really good. I really try and post like the dark side of, of, of this journey as well, like on my social media. 
I was literally in the car driving back and I got this news that it was a big fat no on this thing that I've invested a bunch of time in that I thought was going to be like a sure hit. Um, and in, and my first thought was like, I'm so exhausted. I keep doing this over and over and over again. But then I, I have to remind right. myself that I keep doing it over and over again. I literally probably have 10 balls up in the air right now and maybe two of them will hit. And that's how Marcella operates. That's just how I operate. I, I sometimes I, for so long, I judged myself as a scatterbrain because I had so many different things going on at the same time. And that's just my defense mechanism to, that's so that I have, I don't have a plan A and B. I have a plan A through Z in case plan A doesn't work out. So I have little areas of business kind of popping up all over the place. And that's where you're like, you're everywhere. And it's like, I think it's conscious effort and the fear to, you know, I'm a hustler, man. I'm a hustler. And I have those moments where a massive door is shut in my face. And I will have those moments where I'm like, I'm exhausted. I want all the balls to drop and I want to move to Hawaii and have a sugar daddy. Like I have those moments where I'm exhausted (laughs) with three kids. One is a teenager, two babies, a dog. I have six different jobs right now. Believe me, there are moments when I want to move to Mars and not do any of it. And I think it's important. Yeah. It's important to mention that yeah. uh, there's no superheroes. It's all of us just trying to figure it out as we go. And I still get a ton of rejection. I still get, I got an email. I remember uh, before pandemic on another project that I was so excited about. They were like, you're not, you're not good enough on camera. You're not organic. You're not authentic. And I was like, uh, could you imagine? Like they're just writing <sighs> like a, like their analysis. They don't care. It's a two second email. <laughs> Oh my God. It's- You're not authentic. What is authentic? Is it super interesting that you're saying that? Because I feel for us, especially, you know, multicultural and women of color, right? Uh, it, it's interesting how sometimes, right, we are forced to mm, fulfill mm-hmm. a mold of others uh, that others have of, of us or the category in which we are being placed, right? And then all of a sudden, to your point, you look at the bullets of your life and you say, look at me, look at what, how much I have to offer and what I've done to get here. But then that doesn't fit that oh, so-called yeah, yeah. mold, right? And and it's, it's, it's interesting because it, it, we've had this conversation many times before and we had a guest... Who mm-hmm. said, go create your own, mm-hmm. <laughs> go mm-hmm. create your own mold that. and your own space and, and, and make it happen mm-hmm. from that end. Right. Um, but to your point, even, even to bring up, you know, put yourself back together after all of that. Right. And, and then even having the mental well-being and overall capacity to even think about like okay where do I go and build my own space and how I go about it I still have to count on people who trust me who believe in me right and all that you have to do to be able to have that large network of folks that you know when 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 you need them you can count on them maybe to lend you a hand lend you some money you know uh, to, to really put you in the right path to be able to create your own. Oh, 
Absolutely, absolutely. I'll give you a brief story. When I started this career, the first time that they that well, actually, they didn't fly me out. I flew myself out to New York to do a screen test for a production company to hopefully try to sell a show to the network. And I was doing the cooking segment, and I was coming off of being a cooking teacher, an instru- culinary instructor. That's what I did. I opened up like I did cook- cooking classes in Tijuana, um, right uh, after I got married the first time. Um, so I was very like my goal with my students was takeaway. Like I want them to learn something. Like I want it to be worth their money. Like if I'm teaching them, I want them to be able to make this at home. This isn't like a party. Like this isn't a girlfriend get together. Like I want solid recipes and I want them to learn. I want them to be able to make this at home. So I went and I did the screen test with that mentality. Like I was truly teaching and I was stopped in the middle of it. And they were like, well, can you be more like Mexican, you know, like chattel? Like, could you like move more could, hands? Like they wanted me to be like a, like a mariachi band in a chef. Oh my gosh. Basically. And my response was no, uh, no, no, I can't, no, you know? And that was no, that was one of my first no's. And believe me, it's really, really hard to not give in and say, you know what I'm saying? Like, especially I was so young. I was probably 25 years old. I was unemployed, uh, being possibly offered an opportunity on national television. Like, believe me, there was a part that was like, okay, fine. Give me a sombrero. Like, believe me, like there were many a times that I was like, I will succumb to the stereotype so I can be employed many times. And when I would push back, and we didn't have social media back then when I would push back, but then I would tell someone obviously not post about it. And the reaction was of pride of like, good for you that you did that someone in my community, a leader in my community or a mentor, that was the fuel right. to my fire. And now I get that on social media. Like now I'll do a national segment and I'll be like, no, you can't. I, I would prefer you not use that decor. I would prefer you not put donkeys on set. Love me some donkeys. They don't exist in my house. So you don't need to have them on the set. I would prefer you not open with that music that is 100% traditional music. And I did grow up with it, but that is not reflective of my journey right now. So you don't need to play that music. Like I'm incredibly right. clear. And that that is fueled by the response I get from people that really appreciate, uh, a, not accurate because of tradition, the stereotypes are there for a reason. Like a lot of them yeah. are actually very true. Um, but people appreciate just a, a different perspective and representation yeah. of us in our culture. And that's what I try yeah. to offer. That's amazing. And in fact, you're talking about our first rule here for us, which is own your power. Yeah. Right? And in doing that, you're owning your power. And in saying no, you're owning your power. So it's those moments where you say, and you say to yourself, this is where I am going to own my power. And this is where I am going to say who I am, what I am about, and what I am really ready to do or not to do. Those are like what I call the no moments. And sometimes it's like the strategic no moments because you know that if you cave in, you will cave in uh, further down the line and you'll end up doing things that will make you unhappy and Mm -hmm. will really detract you of your own path, right? Of what you don't want to do. And you'll find yourself in a position that then you have to to really rethink, or maybe after a lot of frustrations and, and a lot of time, probably not, not being spent in what you really wanted to start with. Oh, I did that for a decade, a, a decade, taking jobs that I wasn't completely happy with. And at the same time, um, it's boot camp, man. Like even in, yeah. the, in those jobs that sometimes I hated with a passion, 
you have to at least be willing to take a step back and see what you're learning there, at least right. like take it as a learning experience. But there were many a times, many a times that I just kind of, and that's just an honest response. I did what I needed to do and that's right. okay. And I learned so much and it all led me to um, this place that I'm really happy with. And by me saying that, what I don't want our listeners to hear is, uh, it, you know, it's okay to say yes, right? But you know, know why you're saying yes to certain things that you feel uncomfortable with. Yeah. Because you might be saying yes to do what I call business development. Yes. Right. Okay. And that business development might be, oh, I am gaining a relationship that I'm going to need for the future. Exactly. Or this is, or, or, or make, make sure that you actually, you articulate like, you know, this is something that I don't do. Or I respect your perspective or I respect you as a person. And that's one time I'm going to do it. Yes. Right. I am going to do. It. But so use it in a way that truly, you know, makes you own that power of yours. And that it's it's going to help you in the longer run to really fulfill the goal that you've, uh, you're striving for yourself. A hundred percent. And I've done that many times. And we laugh about it here because without getting into yeah. detail, like Philip, who's my partner and my manager, he knows the stuff that I hate to do. And he'll be just like, remember exposure. And I'm like, yeah, I need to build the brand and I'll go do the thing that I hate doing or that I, that I, that I don't love. So I'm thinking of, <laughs> exactly. of myself and my business in the long run. So, and my, my feeling about opportunity is if it's being placed in front of you, it's for a reason. So for a reason. really at least look at it uh, and see how you can benefit before you're like, no, that's, I'm no. To at least get into that process of analyzing how this could benefit you because there's a reason it's being put in front of you in that moment. At the end of the day, it's all about Absolutely. choice and you can choose what, so. you're, oh, what you're saying yes and what you're saying no to. And that's how you own your power. Yeah. I think in many times, and I can, and this is also reality or my reality, I was a single mom when all of this started. Um, and a lot of times I honestly felt like I didn't have a choice. Like, how am I going to pass up on this contract for this product that perhaps I'm not 100% behind, but I need to pay the rent and feed my kid? And I took many of those jobs. I took many of those contracts. And you know what? My kid was fed. He went to a nice school with all his cousins. We lived in a decent apartment that was safe. And I have no issues that I had to hawk mayo for like a couple years so that I could get that done. Like, you just do what you got to do. And you do it honorably, honorably and with pride. And uh, in that moment, the priority was not to establish myself as a brand. The priority was to survive and for my son to survive. You know what I'm saying? So you just need to be at peace with the whys. One of the rules that I also heard, or a guiding principle, I guess we could call it, is this idea of creating what doesn't exist. And that's a theme that I've also seen with you, Chef Marcella. Um, you, you know, you talked about getting some no's for television. And we know that you have been on television many times and on many shows. But Today, you are making your own magic with your sister on Zoom, and I would love for you mm -hmm. to tell our listeners a little bit about how that got started, because you're creating your own show, or you have created your own show. Yeah, that's a great example of that, because before that, I did do the rounds with an idea for a show that was, that was turned down. For good reason, it sucked, but that's a whole that's another podcast. We need three hours <laughs> for that one. But the point is, 
Um, at the at the end of the day, uh, we were mid pandemic, and um, I did a live with my sister that got like a huge response because she doesn't cook and it was just super silly. And I was trying to teach her to roast a chicken, and she doesn't even eat chicken, and she doesn't touch like raw protein. Like she's very high maintenance. Um, so we did it, and I had noticed. I actually wrote about this in an article the other day. We saw in the beginning of pandemic that Philip's yoga teacher uh, pivoted to online classes. And just by doing simple math, we're like, this guy is making 10 times more money than he ever made in the studio. And he doesn't have any overhead costs. He's definitely not paying the rent who was paying in Beverly Hills. Like, there's something here. So Philip was like, you need to do Zoom cooking class. And I was like, no, that's not for me. That's not for me. I was like, I'm not good. I don't feel good about the quality. Like, I don't want to put anything out there that isn't like a great production. This is my name. Like, I don't want to be doing Zoom classes. Like, it was like, ugh, not for me. And then Selena Gomez invited me on her show, Selena and Chef. And mid-pandemic, this was like November, like it was still pretty crazy. And I was like, we're going to do this. And they're like, yeah. So they sent a production crew of four people. And usually when it's a show like this, it's at least 20 to 25 people in my house. We've been, we, do that, we do that a lot, that we shoot stuff here. Um, and with four people, they came in and they built this thing in my kitchen. And overhead camera over the stove, a wide shot, a median shot, a, a monitor where I was talking. Like she was in her home in Beverly, in Los Angeles. I'm not sure where she lives, honestly. But she was in LA and obviously I was in San Diego. And the whole thing was so smooth, so perfect. The quality was so great. It was authentic. It was in my house. The kids came into the show. The dogs stole some food from the counter. Like it was like, and it was thanks to that woman and her invitation to her show that I was like, I can totally do this and I can do this in good quality. So in that moment, I was like, Philip, you ask these people every damn question of how this thing was set up. We got phone numbers. We got names of equipment. We ordered an Amazon. And in that moment, that became school. That became my school of how those Zoom classes would exist in my life. And I called my sister afterwards and I'm like, we're doing the first class. And that was Thanksgiving of last year. And now we're six months in. We do two to three classes every month. Every class is sold out, at least a thousand people there. But with Zoom, it's always family. So we statistically, we're doing about, we're, we're cooking with two or 3,000 people every class. Um, so it's been like the most amazing ride of my life and it's done 1 million percent my way because, because of COVID, um, there, there was, when we started, there was nothing here. I was doing the photographs of the food. I was the editing, the recipes, writing the recipes, testing the recipes. I usually have six people doing all this stuff for me while I'm traveling or shooting the show or there was nothing. There was me. And it was also a godsend lost half my hair, but I really, really got back into owning every inch and corner of my business. And that was the most beautiful part of all of this. Now we're starting to expand again, but I got so into the nitty gritty in recipe development, photographing my recipes, editing my recipes. I sent all of the, all 1000 students get a very detailed document with how they need to become prepared to class. Ain't nobody writing that stuff. That's all me. And it was, it's just been so mm -hmm. um, helpful in my journey of taking ownership of what myself, uh, of what I, what I have to offer. Um, it was like a rejuvenation of, yeah. you know, that feeling. Wow. Sounds so inspiring. Honestly, it's just, um, 
It, it's it's um, so, so I'm as Alisa said, I'm in the business of uh, helping folks really rethink about what what can they do to grow and get better, right? And I mm. sometimes we are so constrained by what we think we can or cannot do. That's so important. Right. Mm. And that's so rigid in our thinking and the way that we think and how we, we expand our brains, even to consider the possibility that you can create something that somebody told you sometime that you couldn't do it. Yeah. And there you are, right? All of a sudden you are everything, right? You're everything to make sure that you do something that you're so passionate about and things that you probably, you didn't know how to do, you know, perfectly how to do today. Yeah. And that's that, that you, that you bring up. It's so funny because, uh, we're always looking like people are like, we need to offer women more tools or like business tools or accountant. And I'm like, you need to go like 10 steps back and talk about mindset and culture. Uh, the difference Absolutely. between having a growth mindset or a set mindset is in how you were raised. It's, it's in your relationship oh, with your uh, mother and father when you were a child. And I think that Yep. With everything that I say about my dad, about him being like macho Mexicano old school, every single day, he would tell me that I was the most amazing, the mo the smartest, the most capable, su Marcelita. It was, it was just like every day hammered in, you're special, you're different, you're great, you're special. You're, and as much as I'm like, I, I ran away from this person at some point because he was so old school macho Mexican. It's those words that he uttered when I was very young that stayed with me. And I think that's what, as women and entrepreneurs, right. sometimes it's left out of the conversation. Like, I, and I, I've done it myself. Like, I'll scroll past, like, somebody that owns a huge business. And I'll be like, that's not for me. That's too big. And then I'll be like, scroll back. It is for you. Like, scroll back. <sighs> I think we need to, we place these limits on ourselves and we immediately scroll. And I say scroll because that's all we do anymore these days. We're like, no, that's not for me. That's very cute, but that's not for me. And we need to really be able to see ourselves as capable. I think in our prep call, I, I told right. you the stat about how Latinas create more businesses than any cohort in the United States, Latinos and Latinas. But only one to three right. percent of us go over the one million dollar mark with our businesses. We are incredible creators. We are ingenio Latino, ingenio Mexicano. Like we figure shit, excuse my language, out. We figure Things it out, out, right? Yeah. We just don't know how to grow these businesses. And I think a lot of the times it's not so much about tools. Tools are important. We need to be educated on finance, like on all those things. But I think it's a cultural issue with not having a growth mindset that is mm -hmm. stopping us most of the time. Absolutely. Growth mindset. And, and I mean, all that we're talking about in terms of this is a clear self, what I call self-limiting belief, mm. right? Mm -hmm. um, that you one may not realize, but the, 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 the power that that self-limiting belief has in your own growth potential, it's way too much. And yeah. we need to interrupt it. We need to interrupt it. And I think the one thing that we probably can do and we're doing and you're doing is it really talk about it because to, to your point, it's, um, and again, I go back to uh, the cultures that we bring to the table, the way that we br were brought up, uh, mm -hmm. what others might say to us, again, what we can or cannot do really has an impact in the way that we see possibility. 
And it sometimes is just you, you just need to think possibility and then go do it and create it, right? And not be afraid to fall on your face yeah. 700 times in the intent. I think that's the most important thing that for what determines your success, and I think you said this before, is resilience because you're there's no way to get there in a straight line. It's going to be curvy right. and messy and, and good and bad and dark and light. If you expect it to be a straight light from line from A to B, B being success, um, you're going to give up very quickly. Like I think yeah. there needs to be a lot of training, like you said, build that muscle and understanding that to get to B, there's going to be a lot of rejection and a lot of failure and a lot of lost time and money I didn't realize until very recently how all this, how the universe functions in that sense. So many projects that I was so passionate about, it can be incredibly heartbreaking when you create something and are so passionate about it and somebody says no. And then so many times that happened to me and I would look at it and I would be like, I cannot improve upon this. I gave this my all and they're still saying no. Like, I don't know where to go with this because a lot of times you can go back and you'll be like, yeah, this is why they said no, because this sucked or you weren't good enough or the colors weren't right or the food wasn't good or the project wasn't solid. Like, and there were many times where I was like, I cannot improve upon this. Like, this is good. But many of those projects are solidifying now, 10 years later, eight years later, seven years later, 20 years later. The box thing that I do, that I'm doing right now, that that began probably six years ago. And I was like, but this mm. is so beautiful and I can't figure it out. <laughs> and this is, and it was by the time I got to the partners that I have now, I was like, this is the idea. These are the colors. These are the products. This is the concept. You knew exactly, right? It was right. like all of that failure got me to a place where everything just started yeah. to come together so easily. And I think that's what we need to realize that when somebody's telling you no, Whatever happened in that moment, just take a lot of notes. Just take a lot yeah. of notes because if it's something that yeah. you're truly passionate about, it'll it'll resurface. And all of it is just training for that moment when it does resurface. But there is something, Marcella, don't you think there is something that we live in the um, in the moment of the now, right? I think there is, I shouldn't necessarily generalize, but I, I get the impression there's very little patience. Mm. I think there's very little, and we all have very little patience. And I Mm -hmm. think we should allow ourselves for the patience Mm -hmm. to grow, right? And to put in the time, right? This idea, you put in the time, you need to put points on the board before you can actually have a pure sense of clarity of being absolutely prepared and ready with your expertise and your you know, your confidence that this is it because you know exactly now when you can actually launch it with whom and how, right? And it's going to be perfect because you've been preparing for it for the last 10 years. Yeah. But, but it goes back to that muscle because that patient that your patients that you're talking about easier said that then I did not have it back then. I would have like a total breakdown that would last for like two weeks where I would feel oh, like yeah. I was a failure and that I was worthless. And I would get back up and do it all over again. But now with the nose, because there's still many, I just, like I said, I just got a fat, big fat one yesterday. Um, I am very relaxed into this idea that everything that happens happens for a reason. And just because that door's closed, it doesn't mean that something else won't open up. I am also in a much more stable situation in my life where right. those nose 
don't bring me into like, you know, you know, sweaty, like in the middle of the night thinking, how am I going to pay my mortgage? Like, thank God there's that stability that a no doesn't bring like a lot of anxiety. Now a no is, is different. Thank God. But for many years, those no's, it wasn't so much about being impatient. It was absolute fear of what, where is, mm-hmm. where is the next job? Where's the next thing going to come from? And that's why I'm always, I think that, that part of me is always very much like alive. Like I need to have so many balls up in the air just as like a plan, you know, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, like all of them. That's the beauty of entrepreneurship. Saying he's just brought this thought to me because even, so obviously I have, you know, in my case, I, I am not an entrepreneur. I, I, I work for a, for a, for a company, um, but I consider myself kind of like stable, right? Like there's stability, but I, d- I don't know whether it's, my, my father was an entrepreneur and we lived through that every day. And, it, but then there's this part of me in the back, always in the back of my mind, if this doesn't work, if I lose my job tomorrow, like you're always thinking and you're always getting ahead of yourself, which yeah. sometimes I think that's why I'm so tired every day. I'm kidding you. Yeah. Not. <laughs> it's because you're thinking all the time. You have all of the other projects and then you want to help this and that and the other. And, and then at the same time, it's just making sure that you always, it's, it's, I loved what you said at the beginning. This, for me, it's very important also financial independence, right? And just making sure that there's always a plan somehow. Yeah. Lisa knows this about me. There's always a plan somehow that 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 I need to have there in case you have to pull it. But that that again, it goes back to what we started to talk about the energy and and whatnot, and and having all those balls up in the air, knowing that not all of them will materialize. But you can always yeah. pull one down just in case you need it. Exactly, exactly. And you know what? We're hustlers. Some people are just hustlers. And I say that about myself all the time. I'm a hustler, man. Like I'm a hustler. It is what it is. But at this stage in my life, I'm 42 now. Um, my hustler mentality in, lived in me 24 seven when I was younger and it did so for 20 years. Now I am fully capable of completely unplugging and not caring what happens and i like i was able to do it like with with my babies like even if it's a national tv appearance that people pay gazillion dollars to be on or wait their entire career like if my kid has a thing i'm going to the thing with my kid like now it's much easier for me to step out of the hustler mentality and enjoy the stuff that i've worked so hard for like it's very easy for me to disconnect if philip is like we're going to cabo i'm like see ya wouldn't want to <laughs> see ya i'm out phone is off like I'll post on Instagram. I don't care if I miss the Today Show appearance, Good Morning America, the talk. I, I don't care. I'm leaving for a week. And I think the hustler men- mentality has learned to be able to take a vacation. And that's important. Yeah. That's so nice. Another part of owning your power. Yeah. I think there's definitely, especially in our culture, we 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 put martyrs on a pedestal. Mm, we glamorize suffering, especially in women. We glamorize women's suffering as greatness. Lo que, no, lo que sacrifica por la familia or, or for, she had six jobs. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we, and then eventually they become, we become matriarchs because of all the suffering. And I, I think I was a part of that mentality. And I'm like, no, I don't want to be forged in so much fire anymore. Like, I want to just gracefully move through my life. And I don't want to, um, 
I don't want to be put on a pedestal because of my pain and suffering. I want to be put on a pedestal because I have tried to be an example of living a joyful and fulfilled life where you have family and you have relationships and you have time for that and you have time for joy and you are respected fully and you're embraced fully as yourself. Um, I'm not into that suffering mentality anymore. I just watched a movie actually uh, that actually encapsulates it. what you're saying. It's called Rosa's Wedding. Oh, really? Rosa's Wedding, you oh, guys. Oh my God, let me write this it's, down. I was I just Googling it. it. Okay. It was from 2020. Okay. It's, I think a lot of us actually get ourselves very much represented in that movie. So I thoroughly recommend it, Rosa's Wedding. Uh, Marcela, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you think it's important that we talk about or that you feel really passionate about that we should contemplate? More than anything, I just want to, I just want to tell people about that importance of the growth mindset. I think a lot of women with their businesses, with their small businesses, and I try to push as many as I can on my social media, like small local women, like doing their business, their craft, their jewelry, their um, just so many things. And I think a lot of them perhaps see the stuff that I'm doing or that other women are doing. And they think that it's not for them because they're not organized enough because they didn't go to school because they don't have the right accountant. I just want to let people know that this journey, especially the entrepreneur journey, is super messy. It's a shit show. It's incredibly messy. It's not clean for me. It's not clean for any entrepreneur. Beatriz Acevedo said that to me. Um, I called her crying one day because I was so confused about uh, a deck that I needed to present. And she's like, nobody tells you how much we cry in this process. Nobody tells you how messy this is. Nobody tells you that when you're in the beginning, nobody knows what they are doing. Nobody knows how to scale their business. We're all learning as you go. Like I, and that's what I really want to tell people. It's super messy. I keep messing up every day with accounting, with the decks that I put together, with the recipes. Like I put out, I send out recipes to a thousand stupies, uh, students that are filled with mistakes. Like I still, these things still happen. It's no, no operation is flawless. And I think that's what I really want, especially the women, small entrepreneurs to understand is that don't think that because you're not fully experienced or your operation as small as it may be is not perfect it doesn't have a chance to grow into something that could be really be financially successful for you. At the end of the day, we're in this for the long game. You can succeed with patience. You can succeed with perseverance in the midst of the land of the nose because we're all rejected from time to time in any areas of our lives. We can look at stories like Chef Marcella's as inspiration for all of us to keep going. It does get better. There will be trials. We're not going to be shy about that, but you can own your power in the process and you've got this. Want to know how breaking the rules can help you level up your career game? Search What Rules Podcast on any social media platform and join our members-only group on LinkedIn, where we discuss rule-breaking strategies for multicultural women. What Rules is a production of Color Forward. The show is produced by me, Elisa Monjadas, with editing and fabulous sound design by Mathar Delion. 
Visit colorforward.com for more stories, events, and of course, all the episodes of What Rules. 